are being made new. The passage today, there are actually two, and they're each one verse. So I won't, well, no, we'll sing and keep and honor God's word. And Jacob, don't worry about the second one. Okay, I didn't give that to you. The first one, Isaiah 42, 9. See, the former things have taken place, and new things I declare before they spring into being. I announce them to you. And then Revelation 21, 5, this first part of the verse. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Would you please be seated? As I prepared this message, I researched the word new. And it's interesting because if I asked you what new means, there would be different interpretations, especially when we talk about a new year. But in the Greek and in the Hebrew as well, it is fresh. Freshness, something that is unusual, something that is interesting, something that has never been done before. Mmm, fresh. I like the feeling of fresh. And as I looked at the Revelation passage and around the book of Revelation, there's so many pronouncements of what's going to happen when the story ends well. In Revelation, we have a new heaven. What else do we have? A new earth. What else is new in Revelation? All things new? What, what else is described as new? New Jerusalem. What else? There's so many. A new song. A new body. I like that part a lot. Yesterday I had the privilege of doing John Nelson's memorial service, and John's body at the end was a shell, and it was, it was hard. And yet we rejoiced. Because he has a new body, a new name, new wine. All of these things are new in the book of Revelation. My brain, you know, goes to very interesting places sometimes. And I was thinking about new. And how, how new is new? Tell me, Dave, that used the word new. New Jersey, New York, New Hampshire, New Mexico. Okay, so we have these states that are new but based on old. And that's, we have New England, which is, is the area of states. And it occurred to me that when those states were named, there was a leaving behind of the old, but there was also wanting to keep that feeling, York being a place in England and New England being England and New Hampshire was, uh, Hampshire was a place also in Great Britain. And then I thought, hmm, I want to look at the 13 states. And I looked at them and their name origins are almost all England, but also there's a couple that refer to Greece or France. And then I looked at Connecticut, one of the 13 colonies, and it uses an Indian word. 
as does Massachusetts. That's an Indian tribe, a Native American tribe. And as we expanded as a country, the names got newer and newer and newer. They were based on what was here, what the peoples that were here, dreams for the future. It's fascinating to do a study of the names of our state. And for us, as we look at the new year, I would encourage us to look truly at fresh, truly at what hasn't happened before, that we're not living in the past, but we are rejoicing in a fresh future. Presbyterian heritage, one of the things that, that I remember memorizing when I took theology was that Presbyterians are to be reformed always. <laughs> See how many of you remember? <laughs> Good. Reformed always reforming. And today when we talk about this passage, and we're beginning a series, we began it on Christmas Eve, of We See Jesus, I want us today to look at the fact that he is a creator, he is the creator, and he is always creating. It's not finished. I am making all things new. That voice from the throne is Jesus Christ. And Looking at the idea of this being all things new, perhaps better than looking at him as creator, we look at him as innovator. All things new. The new year, how many of the resolutions have to do with a new body and not the resurrection body, the current body? New habits, a new job, going to new places, doing new things. And it's about achieving new goals. Would you agree? That's the whole message of New Year's resolutions. It's about what I am going to do. One thing I, I will share with you about myself, there's a book called The Strength Finder, and the staff, most of the staff have taken the Strength Finder test so that we can see how compatible we are and how to work together well. Let me tell you my five strengths. You see if you, and this is the results of this test, strategic, Learner, ideation, individualization, and achiever. Even hearing those five, I think you will recognize that I am wired to do new things. I am wired to envision a future. To give you a little more insight, people strong in the achiever theme have a great deal of stamina, this is a quote, and work hard. They take great satisfaction from being busy and productive. Would you say that's a good description of your pastor? I'm busy, I'm productive, and the thing about an achiever that made me understand myself a lot better is I can't be satisfied with what I accomplished yesterday. That's old news. I need to accomplish something today. It's being driven to do something new. And that's a problem. Did you realize that? That's a problem. Because what is it about? Me. I must learn. I'm a learner. I have to learn. I have to 
have new ideas. That's the ideation. Individualization. I can't just look at people and, and just look at them. It's like, what, who are you? What are you all about? What can I help you to achieve? How can I help you to be more like Christ and discover your gifts, which is, all of those are good things. But we're not supposed to find our purpose through achievement. That's not what it's about. We're driven, as Americans especially, to achieve. Today, I want us to look at an alternative for the new year. Instead of achieving, we need to be receiving. We need to be receiving from Christ what he has for us, not trying to achieve it on our own. Jesus said, I am making everything new. He did not say, you are to make everything new. See, that's the difference. We are to be connecting with him as he makes things new and to join him in that and to rejoice in what he is doing, not to make it happen ourselves. Are we willing to receive rather than to achieve? Achieving is easier in a way because we control it. Receiving requires submission. It requires a huge amount of trust in God and his design for us. The first step to receive him is to ask him in the first place to come into our heart. When we became Christians, those of us that are believers, we asked him into our heart and we asked him to be our Lord and Savior, not just Savior, but Lord. And having him as Lord means we are willing to receive whatever he has for us. How else do we receive him? We go to him as often as possible. He says, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And I don't know about you, but sometimes that doesn't ring quite right with me. Sometimes my burdens seem awfully heavy. Sometimes your burdens, as you share them with me, I, I, my heart breaks for you. Your burdens are heavy, but that's not what Jesus is saying. He's not saying it's going to be easy. My yoke is easy. The word yoke means teaching. Jesus is teaching. It's not like paddle yoke. It's not something just hanging on your shoulders. It's teaching. It's the words that he gives us to live by. Those are easier than being broken down. But this was said because the yoke of the rabbi in Jesus' time was so heavy. Do you remember how completely over-focused they were on legalism? He says, love one another. Take his yoke. And why is our burden light? Because he bears it with us. We receive his strength. The third step of receiving him rather than achieving is to take off the old self. To get rid of those things that separate us from him, that lead us down a path that's all about self. Ephesians 4.22 says, You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, 
which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, verse 23, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Our job is to work, and that passage talks about what we need to do. We need to work on an anger problem. We need to work on what we say. Verse 29 says, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building up others according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Those are the things that we can work on because we really want to work on something to receive them. We get rid of the old self. So I ask you, are you an achiever or a receiver? Here's a checklist, but think about it. Is your spirit a critical spirit or a Christ-like spirit? This is something I ask myself on a regular basis. Where is this thought, where is this feeling coming from? Is it from Christ or is it from me, from what I want? A critical spirit is characterized by muttering, murmuring, gossiping. Think of Moses' people that were murmuring against him. That's a critical spirit. Beware the influence of people who have strong opinions. It tends to be a critical spirit. Critical spirit comes out of anger. It comes out of frustration. I had a tough thing when I came back my short visit to my family. I heard about a staff member who had an encounter with someone that was really harsh. And it was really unfair. And I just hurt, not only for the staff person, but for the person who was delivering that harshness. Because... That's a critical spirit. That's not Christ-like. And it comes out of frustration. It comes out of anger. Another way to look at this is, is this opinion or is it discernment? Opinion is in our brains. It's what we think. It's when we analyze. I'm really good at analyzing. Just looking at things and thinking things through and doing the numbers and doing this and that and plan strategic because it's great. But if I stay in my head, I'm not going to connect to Christ. I'm not going to connect. How much time, this is what I ask myself and would ask you as well, when there's a decision to be made, how much time do I spend praying about it? Am I just thinking about it or am I actually praying? Do I quiet myself to receive rather than achieve my agenda? And how much time do I spend in God's word seeking direction? Because that's what it's there for. Are we praying? As we go into a congregational meeting, are we praying? Are we receiving? As congregational systems now, as we're in that system, we all have a huge responsibility, much more than we used to have as Presbyterians, because we could delegate all that prayer and discernment to the session. The council, I will tell you, and I love them and respect them, 
They are praying people. They pray hard, but the congregation makes the decision. We need to pray. We need to pray as we go into a pastoral church. We need to be praying. That's how we receive God's will. That's how we receive a Christ-like spirit, not a critical spirit. We can't receive it if we're too busy achieving what we want. Christ says, behold, I am making everything new. Not I'm gonna. It's the book of Revelation. It's the future, but it's now. Behold, I am making everything new. And the Isaiah passage, I love, because I'm going to say this to you as a prophet. See, the former things have taken place, and new things I declare. Before they spring into being, I announce them to you. New things are taking place. Christ is making everything new. We are to receive. We are to receive. And what a gift that is. Last week, Greg preached on the gift that keeps on giving. Amen to that. Receive what Christ has for you. Receive it for the church. Receive it for yourself as you are into this new year. That in everything, we are all praying. Every decision, every thought, every relationship, everything, we are in a spirit of receiving. Then, watch and wait for what God is going to do in your life, in my life, and in the life of this congregation. Would you pray with me? Lord God, thank you. Thank you, thank you. That we can receive from you what you have for us. Lord, stop us from working so hard to achieve. It's good to be working for you. You will bring about those things that you want for us. Those desires that we have need to be coming from a heart for you. Help us to spend time with you. Help us to sit at your feet and listen. Lord, we love you. And we want to honor you in all that we say and do. And all God's people said, Amen. If the ushers would please come forward to receive the offering. So this is a song I wrote called Restless Wind.
Thank you, Gracie. If we could have the servers come forward and Pastor Bill and Pastor Lisa join me, I would like for us to take a moment before we receive the Lord's Supper. Scripture tells us that we are to examine ourselves before we participate. And if something was sparked in you during the message that you need to clear up with God, I would encourage you to do so and simply to take a moment to talk to him and then to take another one to listen and pray. Would you pray? Come to the sacred table, not because we must, but because we need. We confess our sins. God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Hear the words of our Lord Jesus Christ as they are delivered by the Apostle Paul. For I receive from the Lord what I have handed on to you. That the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, He took the bread, and he broke it, and he said, This is my body, broken for you. Take and eat in remembrance of me. If you would please, as we receive the bread, hold on to it, and we will take it together as a community.
God, thank you that in receiving your supper, we remember. You told us, do this in remembrance of me. Lord, let us not only remember you when we take your communion and join in your supper, but in every moment of every day, let us remember that you are Lord, that we can trust you. quickly. Interestingly, in our polity now, we don't get to take members in until after the congregational meeting. So it's kind of fun. This service, I am presenting them to you. In the next service, they will be received. And it's in that service that they, assuming you vote for them, I'm not going to assume anything. You guys sweat now because they're going to vote on you. Um, but it's, it's a beautiful thing that you carefully discern who is called to be part of this congregation. And so I'm going to call out the names. If you're here, please stand, and then we'll see how you do in the meeting. Emily and Lowell Ashlock, I believe, are out of town. Bill Goodwin, I almost didn't sign your certificate. <laughs> Joanne said, put a question mark. <laughs> it was fun. Chris and Mike Grimmett. Let me see here. I'm here in second service. Yeah, they may be, they're already getting ahead of us. Brenda and Karen Howick. Janice and Dick Lowe. Jan and Dick Lowe. Betty and Gordon Kelsey. Sheila Moeller. Rich, uh, Richard Moeller. Jessica Morgan. Max Park. Carol Russell. Helen Kravanek, Gary and Jean Thomas, and Pat Weber. These are, we have, we are taking in 20 new members. So it's pretty special. You just don't have so many at the beginning. So you may be seated. Thank you so much. As we go forward, my challenge to you is simple. Pray. Spend time in God's word. And be ready to receive the blessings that he has for us. Amen? I'm going to pray very quickly for the breakfast because we want to have that food be blessed. It's a pancake breakfast that, whether or not you're a member, come and have pancakes with us. And those of you that are members, there are on your tables the annual report. Those were put together by Tori Day and Karen. Over here, Karen Larson. Would you please stand? Because I, I really do want to acknowledge the work. So these two, when you see it, you'll know why I'm doing this. It's beautifully done. So let's pray and then let's go to our meeting. Lord God, we ask you to be with us as we go into a congregational meeting. We ask you to bless the food that we're to receive. Lord, nourish us well that we can do our best for you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people say, amen. amen.